You should not ever sit down at a computer and just start writing off of the top of your head. You need to know exactly what you're writing about, the topics that you're going to cover in your book, even down to the types of experiences and stories that you're going to share in your book and what the purpose of that is. So I think that when it comes to writing, particularly independent, independent authors tend to just write whatever comes to the top of their head. And it's just like, you can't share that. Even if you want to share a story or share a personal experience, there has to be a purpose to it. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pili, and welcome to episode 147 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Jasmine Womack, a writing and self-publishing coach who helps working professionals and entrepreneurs write books that establish them as experts in their fields and scale their businesses. As a self-published author herself, Jasmine's last book launch generated $235,000 in one week. During our conversation, Jasmine walks us through how she was able to make that much from her self-published book. She talks us through the top three mistakes people make when they're publishing their books. She walks us through the five phases of writing, where to sell books, how to market, and so much more. Before we hear the rest of Jasmine's episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help to spread the word about our show so amazing stories like Jasmine's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with the founder and CEO of the Impact Group, Jasmine Womack. Jasmine Womack, welcome to She's Off-Script. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Sewa. I am so excited for our chat today. Same here, same here. But for anyone who hasn't come across you before, could you share who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is the Jasmine Womack. My clients and students call me the six-figure storyteller. I help coaches, consultants, speakers, agency owners, and professional service providers write, self-publish, and launch books that grow and scale their businesses. So that's what we do. (laughs) Help you to write a book, teach you the whole entire self-publishing process, and help you to set up marketing and launch systems so that your book is actually feeding your back-end offers. So you can take that $19 or $25 book and turn it into premium-priced services and clients. So yeah, that's what we do. I can't wait to dive into all of that. But I have heard you saying that writing a book is a good way to establish authority, both as a working professional, you know, people with nine to fives and as an entrepreneur. Now, I've seen entrepreneurs writing and self-publishing books before, but not so much people who have nine to five. So for those of your clients that do have a nine to five and have worked with you to self-publish their books, what would you say have been some of the benefits for their careers? Absolutely. So when I wrote my first book, I was still working a nine to five. And believe it or not, most of my clients now still work a nine to five, but they were coaching on the side. They identified with some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor. You know, like I always share my background and how I used to got started in network marketing. (laughs) I was never successful in it, but I always, even though I was teaching, you know, when I was teaching, I had the drive to and the desire to have my own business. 
And so I find that many of my clients, although they do have nine to fives, they've always had some type of side hustle or other endeavor going on. So definitely as a professional, as a corporate professional, you're still, you know, working your nine to five. It helps to establish your credibility and helps you to build your personal brand outside of your identity at your job. It allows you to package what you know and package what you've done over the years in your leadership, over the years in your experience, over the years in showing up every day and arriving early, staying late, bending over backwards, all of the things and actually using your expertise, you know, in a way that positions you as a thought leader, because you can say literally, I know this because not only have I done it, but I've literally written a book about it. It positions you to go out and use your knowledge, use your background, use your training in a way that benefits you (laughs) and not just the organization that you work for. I love that. And I think it is important to establish that identity outside of what you do for work, because we all know it can be unstable and you want to have something to fall back on outside of your nine to five. But I know for people listening, they're probably skeptical about self-publishing. It probably doesn't feel as legitimate to them as you know, being tapped by a Penguin Random House, you know, all those big names. So could you share with us perhaps what are some of the mistakes that people are making when they self-publish books that are causing them to have these lackluster results? That's a great question. So I am a big proponent of self-publishing. And one of the reasons why I got into self-publishing is because I knew that I didn't want a middleman. I had friends that went the traditional route. I've had colleagues that have gone the traditional route. There's always been some type of restrictions when it came to, you know, basically signing over your intellectual property, you know, to be up under a traditional publisher. And I found that although my colleagues and some of my friends went a traditional publishing route, they still had to market their books themselves. So I'm like, if I have to still do all the work to marketing, do all the things that I want to keep all of the royalties without to pay anyone. So some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to self-publishing is number one, (laughs) having an ambiguous title. So you're titling your book something that you want to title it, or something that you think is a good idea without doing your market research and without taking your reader into consideration or account. So you're titling it one thing because that appeals to you, but you have to understand that you're not writing the book for yourself. You're writing the book for a specific person to help them get a result. And so your title and your subtitle need to be very clear. It needs to be concise and it needs to be attention grabbing so that once someone reads your title and subtitle, they're able to know what your book is about and what they're going to learn by the end of your book and what they're going to get out of reading the book. They should know that. And and your title and subtitle do not have to be long in order to communicate that. The second biggest mistake that I see many people make when it comes to self-publishing a book (laughs) is having, I'm I'm just going to use my urban vernacular here, cheap or janky looking product. (laughs) Like, and I'm pretty sure that if you're, if those of you all who are listening, you've probably seen someone self-publish a book and it just did not look good. It looked amateur. You should go into the bookstore or you should browse Amazon and look for traditionally published books 
that are related to your industry, related to your topic. And look at the details. Most will have no more than three fonts and maybe two main colors. So if you have a book cover with tons of different fonts, <laughs> images that are not appealing or some type of image that does not symbolize the topic or theme of your book and the design and the colors are all over the place. I mean, that alone is going to kill your conversions and is definitely not going to position you as an authority in your industry because you're saying, listen, I know this topic, but this is the type of product I'm putting out. Like you have to put out a product that looks the level that you want to be perceived. Amen. Because we're so visual and you have seconds to capture someone's attention. And if it looks off, I'm going to assume that whatever is inside the book is also off. But I have to ask there, and then we can continue with the list. How much money am I going to spend on getting a book cover that looks like something that has the backing of a traditional publisher? I mean, am I going to have to get a makeup artist, get my hair done, photographer, in studio? What am I doing? Graphic designer? How much is this going to run me? So you don't need a photographer because your picture doesn't need to be on the front of the book. Now, you can include your picture on the back of the book in a short about the author section, but you don't have to put your picture on the front. A lot of people delay the release of their books because they feel like they have to have this elaborate photo shoot. And I'm like, no, just put the book cover out. And to be honest, you can spend anywhere from 30 to $100 to get a quality, crisp book cover. And I'm going to say this, you can go to a gig site such as Fiverr.com or Upwork.com and find a designer that specializes in book covers for speakers, for coaches, for authors, because they do have a certain look to them and it does need to be clean, clear, crisp, and concise, all right? However, it's also important to know that when you use a gig site, many of those designers use templates. They'll have orders coming in from all over the world. Everyone has access to them. And so in order to be able to handle the influx of orders that they may have, many of them use templates. They just may change out some of the colors. So what this means is that your cover may look like someone else's, may. If you don't search for it, you won't know, okay? So I do always hire a private designer to design my covers, a private designer that has experience may range you anywhere from $300 on the low end up to about $1,500 on the high end, all right? However, I have used some of the designers on Fiverr before just to test them out to see what I could get. I have a good friend of mine. She had her book cover designed by a gig artist on Fiverr. She's a doctor, and she had her cover designed by an artist on Fiverr. And she doesn't sell her book online, but she makes tens of thousands of dollars in book sales every month because she couples her books in with her speaking engagements. So she doesn't care about any of that. She's still making money off of a book cover that costs her $50 to get made. So, you know, it just really depends on where your focus is and are you going to put the work in to get the return that you desire? Mm, the return. That is the key. And we're going to talk about that because I know for yourself, you were able to make $235,000 in book sales in one week. So I definitely want to dive into how you were able to do that. But 
go on. I'll let you continue with your list of mistakes people make. Okay. So I think we talked about the title and we talked about the cover design looking janky. The third mistake, and this would be the last one. The third mistake is the back cover synopsis. (laughs) So the synopsis is the book description that goes on the back of the book. I've seen so many independent authors create a, a paragraph and it's literally one solid paragraph, no breaks, no anything. And that, again, is not how a synopsis should be structured. Oftentimes when people look at a book or if they're considering whether or not they want to purchase a book, they're going to look at the front cover then they're going to look at the back cover and kind of get an overview of what the book is about. The synopsis has actually several different parts to it. It should have a heading. It should have an introduction where you're asking some questions to see, you know, is this person an ideal reader for this book? Have you ever experienced this? You know, have you ever wondered this? You know, if so, in this book, (laughs) you know, author such and such is sharing his or her story about how they overcame and got this result. And then you share your three to five bulleted points of what the reader will learn in your book. And then you have a closing. That's how your synopsis should be structured. You're not telling your whole entire life story on the back of the book. And it definitely should not be just one long paragraph where you're rambling. All right. So it definitely needs to have structure to it. And you also need a one to two sentence about the author section at the end. So to just give people a little bit of information about you and where they can go to learn a little bit more. Okay. So if people are listening to this and they've already been thinking and researching about actually self-publishing their own books. I've heard you say that there are five phases to the writing process. I would argue that the sixth should be marketing, but you will let us know. So could you walk us through those five phases and how we should be approaching them as we're self-publishing our own books? Absolutely. So when I say five phases to the writing process, that's coming from my language arts background (laughs) because that's strictly writing. There is a marketing process and marketing the book has to be done in conjunction with the writing process. It's not a separate phase. It happens concurrently at the same time. So the first phase of the writing process is planning or what we used to call pre-writing. This is where you actually create your draft. You should not ever sit down at a computer and just start writing off of the top of your head. You need to know exactly what you're writing about, the topics that you're going to cover in your book, even down to the types of experiences and stories that you're going to share in your book and what the purpose of that is. So I think that when it comes to writing, particularly independent Independent authors tend to just write whatever comes to the top of their head. And it's just like you can't share that. Even if you want to share a story or share a personal experience, there has to be a purpose to it. So does the story that you're sharing, does this particular instance that you're sharing, does it align with the overall goal? And is it going to help the reader get to where they're trying to get to by the time you finish? If not, then it's probably extraneous detail and you might need to leave it out. Right. But that's something that you won't notice if you don't take the time to plan. So you definitely need to plan your writing. This is a lot more detailed than just writing 10 things you want to talk about and then start writing. Okay, so that's the the, the planning process. 
Then you have the drafting process. This is where you write your first draft. Writers get caught up because they try to treat their first draft as their final draft, and it's not. Your first draft is just that. It's a brain dump. It's you getting all of your ideas out. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to sound perfect. Your job as the writer is to write. (laughs) Get it all out. Don't worry about it being perfect. Don't worry about trying to make it sound a certain way. That doesn't matter in the drafting process, in the drafting phase, okay? So step one is the planning. Step two is the drafting. This is where you use your outline to literally draft your paper and get all of your ideas out in some type of format, okay? Stage three is editing. So this is where you send it off to an editor. This is not where you go and try to reread it and try to perfect it or redo anything. No, you brain dump and get your ideas out and then you give it to an editor, okay? No, you give it to an editor. You're not an editor. Mm, Not you, someone else. Now, is this your girlfriend, your mom? Who's the editor? (laughs) Or are they on Fiverr? Who are we asking to edit the book? Honestly, I use professional editors. These are people who have experience editing nonfiction books. All editors are not created equal. So there are editors that specialize in editing creative-based books, like editing fiction books, editing urban fiction, editing, you know, those types of books that are really for entertainment. Then you have some editors that specialize in academia. So they may specialize in the research, the annotation, the citations, like that's what they do when it comes to research papers, dissertations, the white papers, all those types of things. Then you have editors who are specialized in editing nonfiction, particularly, you know, in my industry, books that are self-help, inspirational books, books that are business books, how-to books, informational books. Okay, so it really depends on the type of book that you're trying to write. You need to seek out an editor who has uh, some type of experience editing that because the editing will differ. The voice will differ as well. I don't ask anyone personally that, that I know, not in my immediate family. Okay, now, when I had my first book edited, I was teaching, which meant that I was surrounded by language arts teachers who taught writing and who had to edit on a daily basis. They had to edit narratives and we had to edit papers. So I'm like, who in this building can I ask to edit this book? Because I know from working with them and we used to sit down and edit and grade all the time. Who can I ask in this building to edit for me? And at the time I found out that my assistant principal was offering professional editing services on the side. That was one of his side hustles. I said, oh, I have a book. (laughs) Can you edit it for me? And so at the time, my assistant principal took on my book as one of his outside of work professional editing project. And I just found it out just random conversation. So if you have access to teachers or if you know teachers, language arts teachers or professors, not math teachers, not science teachers, because a lot of them are not good in writing. Teachers who teach English or language arts, a lot of them do that type of work on the side because they're already doing it, you know, for their work anyway. So I would definitely tell you to start there on the low end. And some people use Fiverr. They do have editors on Fiverr. I've used 
Fiverr for proofreading, but not for final editing. And just because of my industry, I've been blessed to meet a lot of different editors just throughout the years. But definitely, I think Instagram now is a great tool for editors. They provide professional services, but there are questions that you need to ask to vet the editor that you choose. Okay, so I talk, I have a list of those questions in my book, Published and Paid. Some of the questions should definitely be how long have you been editing? What type of experience do you have? What's the investment amount? What's the turnaround time? When can I expect my edits back? What type of credit or reimbursement will I be given if I do not receive my edits back? When you tell me I will get them back, do you have any type of a refund clause if I'm dissatisfied with the edits? Those type of questions. And also ask to see a sample edit. So they should have a sample of an edit that they've done for uh, another book. Or you can have them to say, hey, here's one paragraph of my book. Not a page, not a chapter, one paragraph. Can you do a sample edit of this paragraph? Because you want to see their work You want to see how they respond and what that experience is going to look like and feel like and whether or not you align with their style of editing. Oh, my gosh. So we're definitely going to need to delve into your book. So was that all of the writing process? So editing after editing, revision and publishing, right? So it was planning, drafting, and then it was editing. Step four is revision. All right. So the revision process comes after editing. I'm sorry. I got <laughs> I turned around it's revision and then editing. Revision and editing go back and forth. I will say this because after you have your book edited, you still have to go back through and check the edits. The editor's comments are not the final edit. So for me, even when I get an editor to edit my book books, I'm going to go back and review their edits and make changes. So the editing and revision process, there's a back and forth between stages three and four. So whether you edit and revise, revise, edit, revision is where you look over your own work. Editing is where you give someone else the opportunity to look over it. I say Editing comes first because if you start revising your book first and start looking over your own writing, you could get stuck. Start reading it, feeling like it's not good enough, getting caught in your head and start trying to rewrite all of this content, which is why I always say, listen, after you do your brain dump, send it to an editor, let them edit it. Then you go in and revise it. You use their statements, you use their guidelines, you use their feedback to make the corrections. And then you can go in and add what you may need to add, change what you may need to change. So revision is where you go in to make the changes that you need to make. And the editing and revision, again, is back and forth. You may go through several rounds of this where they edit, you revise, you send it back to them to review it again. They'll go through it again. They'll send it back to you. Hey, I still found these. And they'll leave some updates And until you feel like, okay, I'm ready now. So for me, I personally go through three to four rounds of edits because I I like to make sure that my book is clean. So I'll do it electronically first, probably about two rounds. Then I'll print it off because when you print your book off, your eyes are physically able to see things that they may not catch on screen. So then I'll do the third edit on paper. I'll do the third revision on paper, go through and look at it, make changes, go in and make those updates on the digital copy. 
and then send that final one back to the editor for one final review. So then now we publish. I mean, this is sounding like quite a process. I think I'd seen that one of your clients actually wrote her book in 48 hours and then published within eight weeks. I want to understand really how those timelines typically work, but I'll let you get to the last step. Yeah. And then there's a publishing process. So the publishing process is probably the easiest part because you've done the hard work. So now the publishing process is where you publish the book. You know, you publish the book, you have the interior laid out. The book cover's already been designed because as you've been waiting on the edits, you're getting your book cover design and all that. So that's why I said marketing, it runs in parallel to the publishing process because while you are going through the process of the edits and things, there are going to be time lapses where the editor has your book. You don't have it. You need to be marketing and promoting. (laughs) Mm. Well, I do want to dive into the marketing piece Specifically, what was your process for the 235K sales in one week? But where are we publishing the books? Where do we get the most bang for our investment? Is it Amazon still or are there other places that are better these days for independent book publishers or writers? I sell my book directly. Now, I have my book on Kindle and I do have another book on Audible and one that's available on paperback on Amazon. But I think it's important to put it on Amazon because Amazon is a search engine. And oftentimes when people, when you tell people that you're an author, the first place they're going to run is Amazon. And it's almost like if your book isn't there. Is it even real? <laughs> you're not a real author, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> In the eyes of how people perceive it. So for at the very least, have your book available in the Kindle ebook format. But I sell my books, my paperbacks from my website because I'm able to keep most of the profit from it. And I'm also able to do other things like offer upsells immediately. The only thing about selling from my website is that I have to generate traffic and drive traffic to my site to do that. Hello, marketing. So what is your process for then raising awareness for your book? Being findable. I got that phrase from Myron Golden last week because I've always said you have to show up. He said being findable. I said, oh, I'm going to use that. So you have to get out of your shell. You can't say, you know, I wrote a book and you're the only person who knows about the book. If you're the only person who knows about the book and no one's buying it or no one's reading it, then you're not making impact. So you have to create content to be findable. Yes, you're going to have to create videos. Yes, you're going to have to post. You're going to have to share information about your book. And and that goes beyond just saying, I have a book. This goes into your motivation. Like, why did you write the book? Who is this book for? How is it going to help them? Sharing some snippets and excerpts from your book and going into detail about that snippet and excerpt and what it means you know, or what inspired you to write it, you know, you can use the caption spaces for that. Quick videos, you know, where you are talking about the book. You're, you know, reposting testimonials. You know, when people purchase your book and they tag you, you repost them and say, thank you for buying my book. Like consumers are bandwagoners. So consumers buy things that they see other people buying. So (laughs) you have to share testimonials. You have to share When people buy your book, if you're out at speaking engagement or you're out selling or someone purchases a copy of your book directly from you, take a picture with them, post it. You have to be visible. I find that a lot of authors struggle with marketing 
Well, I have to ask, how big was your audience when you were able to generate that much in sales? Because if I'm a new author, new business owner, my audience may not be that big. So who am I reposting to? 10 people, 100 people? How am I going to generate that many sales? So what would you suggest for someone who is still new but has the expertise? All right. So that's a great question. So at this point in my career or my profession, I have an audience of 15,000 on Instagram. When I had that launch, that was back in January, February, I had probably around 12 thousand maybe 12 or 13 i'm still like how because typically conversion rates are two to five percent on the high end <laughs> you, this is you have to know what you're doing and when i first started my follower list was under a thousand and i had a five thousand dollar book launch and that was five years ago and so i teach what i know to my students so that's why like how now like today i just posted one of my students she just re- released her book, I Wear a White Coat by Dr. Erica Holick. It's a book written by Black doctors where they're talking about their journeys through medical school and, and the things that they encountered and how they overcame it to get the white coat, to get their, their doctor, you know, whether it's a doctor of pharmacy, therapist, whatnot. And so she's a pharmacist and she didn't have an audience like that. <laughs> like she had a private account. And literally using the strategies that we shared in the first two weeks of her launch, she's made $5,000. And so now she's going on to build out her backend systems so she can explode that. But in addition to just her pre-sales, she hasn't even officially released the book yet. That's just 5000 in pre-sales. But just from the pre-sales and her messaging and how she positioned herself alone, She's already gotten bulk book orders from universities, you know, speaking engagements and stuff, uh, requests to speak and do presentations in different medical programs in several colleges and universities. So I'm going to say that it's not about the audience size. It's all about your messaging, your positioning and what you do with the book once you actually release it, how you're able to communicate the value. Again, her book hasn't even come out yet. And she's already having these opportunities. Mm, That's because she was talking about her book throughout the process. She was marketing, as you said, in parallel with actually creating the book. And I think that's something that rings true for any project is if you spring it on people and say, surprise, you haven't warmed them up enough and they're not going to be ready to pull out their wallets, especially if they don't know who you are. So it's important, it sounds like, to be doing the work of speaking about what you are doing as you are doing it. Absolutely. And it's also, again, the positioning, which comes with her title, her book cover, everything. So, you know, there's no question about what she's talking about because when people see the book cover, they know exactly what it is. And she has the credentials to match because she's a pharmacist. She's an expert. Write about your expertise. And she's been doing the work of pharmacy now for almost 20 years. So yeah, well, not 20 years in the profession, but because of course she had to go to medical school or whatnot, but she has years of experience under her belt. Okay. So I know people are going to need to get into your program in order to really learn the strategies that you have, but I'm curious, what's the most impactful marketing strategy that your most successful clients have used? That's a good question. And I think that people think that it's difficult, right? But it's not. The most 
impactful marketing strategy that my most successful clients have had is believing that they can do it. And then they actually go and they bet on themselves and they do it. Most of them are super scared because they're like, oh my gosh, I've never done anything like this before. (laughs) I don't know. Does this sound right? Is this right? You know? And I'm like, you're good. You know it. Just put it out there. And so I think that it's the mindset. It's having the confidence to believe in themselves enough to know that, you know what, they're going to stand on what they know and they're going to go out there and share it because it's not hard. It's literally having the confidence, believing in yourself and showing up. Even if you show up wrong, show up. This is one of the things I shared with Dr. Hylett. Because she lives her life on precision because she's a pharmacist and entrepreneurship is different. So there's had to be some shifts there. Like if she's not accurate, someone could get ill, right? Entrepreneurship is different, you know? And this is where I, as a coach, I had to realize, listen, you're not in the pharmacy. You're moving into a different territory. So put yourself out there. Yes, you're going to make mistakes on this road. It's part of the process and this is how you're going to learn. But done and imperfect is better than not done at all. And I will honestly say the other thing is consistency. Consistency in what way or in what things? Consistency, again, in promoting and providing value and letting people know that you exist and you have something to sell. This means that you can't show up one week and promote your book, then disappear and say you're taking a sabbatical for two or three weeks and then show up again at the end of the month or the beginning of next month and then complain about nobody purchased what you have. They're not going to purchase what you have because they don't know you and they don't trust you. When it comes to selling something, selling a product, your book is a product, you have to consider your own buying journey. I'm pretty sure that everyone watching this has gone on Amazon and put stuff in their cart and not checked out. You're going to go browse. Oh, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. And it sits in your cart. You might have the intention of buying it. Some things you buy right away. But then there are some things where you just click add to cart and it adds to cart and you don't buy it right away. So what happens? Amazon will begin sending you emails, reminding you of everything that you have in your cart. You're going, you're going to get hit with the ads. (laughs) There's going to be some follow-up. And then every time you go on Amazon, you're going to see it in that cart. So either you're going to go ahead and buy it eventually, or you're going to delete it if you feel like it's not something that you need. So people are going to do the same thing with you. They're going to say, hey, I I want that book. I'm I'm at work right now. I'm going to come back to it later. Oh, I want that book. Texting and driving or browsing and driving. I want that book. Oh, I'm driving right now. I'm going to do it when I get settled. Then once you get settled, kids are home, dinner, homework, life happens. So you have to stay in front of people. You have to, and I like what you said, be consistent about what? You have to consistently show up and provide value. Letting people know what they're going to learn, giving excerpts from your book, creating videos like you can take one chapter per week and do a video series about it. This isn't where you're talking about or giving away the content, but you can literally talk about 
each day do a 60 second clip about something that you speak about in each chapter and why it matters to the reader and how your book is a solution to their problem. But you said something, I wanted to have an opportunity to address it. You asked me about the 235K launch. Okay, so (laughs) so the 235K launch, and I think that this is important for everyone listening, it wasn't 235K in only book sales. However, I used my book to make 235K in sales. And this is why you need a book and back-end offers, coaching programs, courses, or consulting, so that once your readers read your book, you lead them to the next step. You have to determine what the next step is. This is why it's not the best thing to just write a book where you're sharing your story because you can't create a business off of just that. You have to use your story in a way that's going to help someone else and that you'll actually be able to build other offers on. So I had published and paid, and I talked about this when I talked to class, published and paid had not officially been launched yet, but I had written the book a year prior. I wrote the book during the pandemic (laughs) and I had not released it. And so I used the content in my book that I had not released to create a workshop. And from the workshop, I offered people the opportunity to come and work with me in my coaching programs. And so that's how we use the book to make, it ended up being 235K in sales in a week. Mm. So it's not necessarily about selling your books for $100, like, you know, university textbook. It's about how are you going to interweave in, you know, if you're interested in more of this chapter, go to this page on my website. I notice people do that a lot so that they're clicking downloadables. They're giving you their emails and eventually you are able to reach out to them directly for other offers, as you mentioned. Or depending on the type of backend marketing systems they have set up, you're automatically integrated into the ecosystem. You don't have to personally reach out. They're going to tell you what offers they have you know, if their backend systems are set up properly. And I'm sure you'll teach us how to set up our back <laughs> backend systems properly. But where can we connect with you after everyone hears this episode? And how can we work with you? Yes. Yeah, so definitely I'm on Instagram at V-T-H-E Jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N-E, Womack, W-O-M-A-C-K. So come and connect with me on Instagram. I go live two to three times per week. And I'm constantly putting up tips, strategies, and high-value content. My website is jasminewomack.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jasmine. This is one of those episodes where there's so much information. We're going to have to listen over and over again. Thank you for being so candid with us. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com. All right, with that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.